I'm Jennifer Campbell. I'm Karen Corgan. And I'm Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome to the Girls Talk Ag Podcast, brought to you by the Global Ag Network. This podcast is where we plow through the manure online and discuss what's currently going on in agriculture. From the good stuff to the rough stuff, we may not always be politically correct, but we're definitely honest. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Girls Talk Ag Podcast. Coming at you from the snowy Midwest in New York today, which we'll introduce our guest here in a second. But I was just telling Jen how I hate the snow and I wish I was in Florida, to be honest. And she's quite the opposite. I'm quite the opposite. I love the snow and we can't get enough of it here. Um, I'm sure you've noticed on Twitter that um, I... uh, have a vintage snowmobile and my son has a couple. So we, we just die for snow and we never get enough here. Um, so yeah, yeah I need I, snow. I've had a little bit of an, <laughs> I shared on Instagram actually yesterday. I said, here's a video of me, um, marking, uh, holes in the waterways. Cause I'd rather be doing that right now than <laughs> yeah. And then seeing snow out there, but I guess, you know, to each his own, we need, we need the moisture. We, we, we've had some pretty wet snows and we've needed that. So hopefully come spring though, it will dry out and we'll be ready for planting season. I also say I can put on a lot of clothes, but I can only take off so many before people start begging me to stop when it's hot. So <laughs> yeah, very much the same. <laughs> Well, let me introduce our guest today. I'm so excited for um, her story, for her to share her story. Um, you may have heard of, um, of the story we're about to share, but we thought it'd be very fun to bring in Sonia Galley and Bindi, the Australian Shepherd who won American Farm Bureau Federation's Farm Dog of the Year. Um, Sonia, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm a dairy farmer up here in New York. Yes, there are farms in New York. (laughs) And um, I farm alongside my parents and we have a herd of registered Holstein cows. We milk about 60 in a tie stall. And I also have Australian shepherds. I have four altogether, um, but Bindi was the one that I uh, nominated for farm dog of the year. Why Australian shepherds? When I was in college, uh, my freshman year, my roommate got a golden retriever puppy. And then I had puppy fever pretty bad. Uh, But I knew I wanted a dog that I could bring to the barn with me and and, in theory work alongside me. And so of course, Border Collie pops into your head because that's what everybody knows. But my mom had worked for Agway back in the day as a field rep and she had visited a lot of farms with Border Collies and didn't really appreciate their temperament all the time. So she was kind of anti-border collie. And so then I started researching other breeds and the Aussie popped up and I thought, well, that's close enough. And then just just the more that I learned about them, the more that I really liked what I saw. And I rescued my first guy in 2005. Oh, they're rescues? No, just him, he was. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he was a great, he was a great first dog. Honestly, if I had had Bindi as my first Aussie, that might've been a different story. Um, so I, I rescued him and fell in love with the breed and haven't looked back since. Oh, so great. what are your dog's names? All of them. So I have Toby. Uh, this is Reese. She's the youngest. 
Uh, so Toby is going to be 10 pretty soon. Ziva just turned nine. And Ziva is Bindi and Reese's mom. And then Bindi and Reese. Hey, love that. So do you do all the training yourself then? Yeah. Um, with Mick, I had him when I went to Virginia Tech. And there was someone just off campus that was doing herding classes. And so he and I went to class once a week. And so I learned a little bit of the basics. Uh, and then I've been able to attend some workshops off and on throughout, you know, over the years and kind of picked it up from there. So are all four of yours working dogs? Yes. I, t I tweeted this morning that we were going to talk that our podcast was going to the dogs and mine are working. <laughs> mine work at taking up most of the bed at night. Um, that's their big job. One of my big questions about working dogs is, can a working dog be a pet and a working dog? Mine are, so mine, yeah. Bindi is always at my feet. She lays at my feet uh, at night. The other two try to, but usually I squirm around too much and they end up off. <laughs> so yes, they are very much, and I kind of go from it as their pets first and then they work second. Um, oh, okay. I, why, why do you say that? I'm just kind of interested why, why, you, why you say that. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> they're, I mean, they are companions and you want them to feel loved and have that good nurturing lifestyle. But I guess people say like kind of family first, work second too. So it's kind of the same thing, right? When, when you're picking out a puppy at eight weeks old, you can't really tell what the future of that puppy is going to be. Mm -hmm. it, you know, you're, you're going to put everything in your favor as far as genetics go and try to make the right mating with the sire and dam and make sure that those herding instincts are in the background, but you have no guarantee of what's going to happen with that dog down the road. You, you, it could lose a leg or something in a freak accident. And so if I'm committing to giving this puppy a home at eight weeks, that's irregardless of what they're going to turn into. That's wow. how I That's awesome. That's actually an amazing attitude. Yeah, I um, love that. That's awesome. How do you let them know when it's time to work and when it's time to be a pet? So the first thing that I actually teach my dogs when we go to the barn is to chill out because I'm, I'm betting, I'm fairly confident that those herding skills are there and that down the road we can develop those and, and the dog will turn on, but I need them to be able to turn off. And so if you have a dog that all they want to do when they see livestock is chase, um, that's not all of my day. So we don't spend a whole lot of time moving cows around. So I need the dogs to be able to chill out when that's not required. So I'll bring um, an exercise pen. It's kind of like a baby play pen into the barn and the puppy's, you know, two months, three months old. And I'll put the puppy in the pen with something to chew on. And then I'll do something that's not all that action motivated. So I'll brush cows or something and the puppy will just hang out and chew on whatever. So they're learning to be in the presence of livestock, but not feel like they have to go do something. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I tell my dog to take a chill pill. <laughs> I'm like, take a chill pill, bring it down notch. And yes, I do give her um, something to chew on because boy, I've learned Aussies, they can't be bored. They, they get destructive when they're bored. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm going to ask you a big question here because I just got a blue healer and um, she's a pup and I have hobby cows. That's it. Just hobby cows. They're my hobby. 
how often does a dog have to work cattle to stay in that mode, but still be not a working dog? Is that possible to be kind of a working dog? <laughs> yeah, I think when they're young, they're going to need a lot more, you know, day to day or, or very regular training. Okay. Uh, once they get, you know, Bindi's five, uh, I would say probably the last year or so, I haven't really had to focus too much on her. Um, but with Reese, she's two and a half. So I've been very strategic about when she comes to the barn, when she's allowed to help um, and looking for signs that she's getting close to being over aroused and I need to get her out of that situation mm -hmm. because then it's not a matter of training. Then I'm just, you know, if I get to the point where I'm yelling at the dog, I'm not training the dog. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm, you know, that's, I've flipped over into management and I need to just call it a day and get the dog out of there. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. You're, you are just full of knowledge, actually. This I is think so she fun. should come train my dog. Please. You can come <laughs> I train mean... my dog too. Or actually I'll bring my dog to you because then I can bring my snowmobile and use your snow too. <laughs> Put a trail around the field so I can walk the dogs. I would love to do that. That'd be my full-time job. I could just go around doing that. Um, so let's go back to Bindi was, um, you sent in a video, right? To be, to Farm Bureau. Yeah, they have a whole application process. Uh, I think that was back in August that I filled that out. Why, how did you choose Bindi out of all four of them? So she happened to be the dog I had with me uh, one day in April. And I got myself in a bit of a pickle and she got me out of it without me getting seriously hurt. Yeah, you, you explained that in the video. Do you wanna share more about that situation? Cause it's, oh my gosh, that's the part that gave me really goosebumps hearing that story. Yeah, well, when COVID hit, we had some restrictions come down as far as, they wanted us to reduce our, our milk output by 15%. So they wanted us to have 85% levels of production based on January milk. And so not knowing how long that was gonna go on for and taking a look at our animal inventory and feed inventory, we were making some decisions on who's gonna stay and who's gonna go. And so I had a heifer and a pen of about 20 that was gonna go. She was, you know, had an appointment. <laughs> and I had five minutes before it was time to start milking and I said, great, I can sort her out into another pen and then she'll be easier to catch when we need to get her on the trailer. So I went in the pen. I didn't have the dog right with me. She's always, the great thing about Aussies is you don't have to worry about where they are because they're behind you. So, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're looking for you, especially Bindi. She knows yeah. she can crawl under any gate and it's amazing how she gets around that farm without me having to open a door or wait for her. So anyways, I went in this pen and I came around a corner and I felt something hit me in the middle of my back. So I turned to see what it was and this 15 months heifer charged me <clears throat> and I before I could really do anything she had me on the ground uh, and so I was in trouble now the good thing is once she got me down she stopped coming for me but every time I went to get up she'd put her head down like she was going to come at me again so I couldn't move uh, we live in a place where there's no cell phone service so I couldn't call somebody for help my parents weren't at the barn yet so I was not in shouting distance of anyone. So I started calling for the dog <clears throat> and I saw her moving on the outside of the pen. So then 
I gave her her cue that meant to push the heifers around to the backside as if we were gonna clean the barn because I, she's trained to do that. So my, my hope was that she would just do what I was asking her to do, even though she couldn't really see where I was. And she did. So she pushed the heifers around. I got up and got out of there and lived to tell about it. And I wasn't hurt. I mean, my clothes were dirty, but that was it. Wow. That's so amazing. That, okay. Goosebumps. Yep. Seriously. <laughs> yep. Um, so that, that took a lot of training though, to get her to, to, to that point, to know your commands, your voice, your, what you needed at the time. Yeah. And it's just, it's not so much that we were training for that situation specifically, but it was just doing that on a regular basis. And it was so routine that she just went and did her job. That was Mm -hmm. all she did. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. We're going to share that video um, on Twitter and on our Facebook page. Um, That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that your dogs are pets and and companions and working dogs as well. Because I know there are some people who think that working dogs are working dogs and pets are pets. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's nice that um, that combination works. It can work if you, Mm -hmm. if you train them to do that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I think it strengthens the relationship a lot between the dog and the owner because they know when to work and they know when to calm down and I, I think of my own, for people that don't know, I have an Australian shepherd that's about to be 10 months and we're still in that prime training stage. And when I was asking around, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give someone getting a puppy? They're like patience and consistency. Those are the big two things that you need to have. And she's definitely tested my patience. That's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just commend the, and I mean, any herding dog, but especially Australian shepherds, I'm kind of biased because I've seen the grit they have and the work, but yet they are, like you said earlier, they are loyal to the bone. She's always on my heels, wondering where I'm at, wondering what I'm doing. And sometimes she throws a bit of a fit when she can't be with me, (laughs) but that I, I just loved hearing that story. And I think it's a powerful story to show the relationship between dogs and their owners. So does she go to the barn with you every day or she just happened to that day and you needed her? Um, we're kind of on a, a, a pretty strict schedule. Uh, that's another thing about herding dogs is they like things to be scheduled. Um, so she's my afternoon help. So she comes with me when I start chores in the afternoon. Hmm. Hmm. So do you take your younger one then in the morning to do um, training or? I take the two older ones in the morning. Okay. Just Bindi, her one flaw in the Australian Shepherd Breed Standard, it says they should be reserved with strangers, but should not be fearful of them. And she takes that to heart. She is very reserved with strangers. So, and and by strangers, it means anybody other than me. So when mom and dad come in the barn in the morning, she barks at them. If a salesman comes in the barn, she barks at them. Um, and I just, I don't want to deal with that at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. well, they don't come in till 637, but still. Yeah. Uh, so she comes in the afternoon and it just works better that way. So the two older girl guys go in the morning and then Reese comes uh, midday and Bindi will come midday too. Um, and then it kind of depends on what we've got going on. If I've got to move 
a group of yearlings, then I'm going to bring Ziva because, or Ziva and Bindi because they're older and more experienced. Reese isn't quite to that skill level yet. Do they like to go alone or do they like, do they mind working in pairs? I have no idea. Uh, either way, they're just happy to go to the barn. Um, actually, I have a video from when uh, the time changed and at three o'clock in the afternoon, Bindi was barking at me because she's like, it's time to go to the barn. What are you doing sitting on the couch? Let's go. So see, even dogs hate time change. Yeah. See? And dogs are the smartest. So I think we should listen to them. I hate time change. I'm with Bindi. So with winning the farm dog of the year, what was, did you get a prize out of it? Or what, was there anything like this? I don't know, did Bindi get a trophy or anything? Yeah, she did. Uh, it's upstairs. She got a nice silver plate that says farm dog of the year on it. Oh, cool. uh, we had a, a prize pack from Purina with a bunch of dog treats and a coffee mug and uh, some other things. And then there's a $5,000 prize with it as well. Wow. Way to go, Bindi. What's she going to buy? Like, she should get to eat off her silver plate. She should get like a steak <laughs> on yeah. her silver plate. There's a, a local feed supply store. I think we'll go check out let her pick out some stuff there and then um i'm hoping i can get to some training clinics and mm. do that kind of thing with it too so mm -hmm. so if this weren't dorona time would she get to go to the convention yeah well she wouldn't but i would and it would have been okay. in san diego oh damn right <laughs> that would have been a nice little oh. trip from new york yeah so next year i don't know well, we're gonna we're gonna rally for you. Full you petition to get you there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sonia, what has your relationship, not only maybe with Bendy, but I guess with all of your dogs, has taught you? You kind of alluded to in the video about choosing joy and having the attitude of joy. Is there anything else that having a dog has taught you? Um, you know, I look back to when I first got Mick. And just what I've learned about dog training and behavior and raising dogs, it's just, I can't really put it to words. Um, and it's also shaped my faith life too. Um, I'm a Presbyterian and I'm very active in my church. And earlier this year, um, I just happened to be reading through Philippians chapter four, verse eight, I think. It said something like, um, focus on that, which is good, what is true, what is right. And that's how I try to approach dog training. Instead of focusing on what I don't want the dog to do, focus on what you do want the dog to do and look for those things. So a lot of the time we're really quick to say, we don't want the dog to counter surf or we don't want the dog to jump on us or we don't want the dog to bark at strangers or whatever. And that's all fine and good. But if you don't tell the dog what to do or show them what to do, <clears throat> they're not going to be able to understand that. It's just been kind of neat how, how dogs shape us and how we shape our dogs. Mm -hmm. I think it's very personal. I mean, I think it just like each individual person is a person. I think each dog is different and they learn differently and do different things. So um, I'm a big treat giver because I like I, I, I like carrying them in my pockets. That way the dogs follow me around and I feel super special. Are you a treat giver? Is that a, is that a good training technique? Oh yeah. 
I love giving my dog treats, but for me, I like to give her things that are going to take her a while. Like <laughs> some of those puzzles and games. Cause if I have to like say, get on a zoom call or something, she always wants to be the center of attention. And I'm like, well, we can't do that right now. And she is kennel trained. Um, she does well with that, but um I will like I, I'm a big fan of the Kong brand and I'll put things in her Kong I'm like okay go play with it and she is a mastermind like she it takes her like one or two tries but by the third time I'm like okay I gotta figure out something new now because you're so smart so, so make a mixture with yogurt and whatever else you want to put in there and then fill your Kong with that so I use like yogurt string cheese hot dog blueberry oh. squash um you know chicken whatever leftover meat you've got Put it okay. in and then freeze it. It'll take her a lot longer to go through that. Okay, good to know because she, I've, I've like frozen like dog food or something like that, like wet it a little bit, but I'm getting tired of that. And I imagine she as well. I got to keep changing it up. So again, she doesn't get too bored and figures it out. <laughs> so I have one for you. I, I read this the other day. I am not a dog trainer in the least. Like I'm the person who, let's just be honest, my dog craps in my house sometimes. I can't. I, I'm just like, not, I'm not uh, strict enough with my own time to train a dog and let it out at certain times. But so I read the other day that if you put a leash on a dog and next to your desk and, and so it can't move, it learns, is it settling or st stilling? Does anybody know what it's actually called? I don't know, but I tried it with my blue healer and she's a pup. And quite honestly, she's not tied up right now. That's what she does when I sit at my desk now. She just lays on her blanket. And it's, it was so, like, I did that to her, like, not in a mean way, but I did that to her. Is it so, like, <clears throat> I don't want to say, is it, does it feel so good to know that you and the dog work together? And I mean, like, you did that, Sonia. You trained those dogs to do that. Are you just like, I would just be like so excited. Yeah, um, it's it's an amazing feeling when you can just go out and do the thing you want to do, whatever it is, and it just happens, and you didn't have to work at it. You know, like I mean, you put you all did the work, work in, at it, and then one day you just go in and oh, that was so easy. Yeah, you, know, you even have to think about you know, oh, the dog's getting over aroused. She's starting to nip at the heels. We need to stop. No, we just keep going and got the job done. Those, those are the really fun days. Mm -hmm. I know, I know that everybody listening can't see me, but I'm like, got my hands going wild and I'm grinning from ear to ear. I just can't imagine what that feeling was like to like, like you'd never want to get yourself into trouble, but, but it happens. We all get into a fix that, that we need help getting out of. And your dog came to your rescue and you trained her to do that. And I'm just so excited for you. <laughs> it's just got to feel so good to, to know that, you know, it's kind of like raising kids, I guess, but, but that dog is so committed and oh, mm -hmm. I'm just so excited. <laughs> so Sonia, are you breeding then? You kind of talked about that earlier. Do you breed Australian <laughs> Shepherds? I do, um, not very often. So it's been about every other year. Um, I'm thinking about doing a litter this year, but I'm, I'm not real sure. Um, that would be, I, I just finished. So Bindi actually had a litter last fall. She was five weeks post whelp when we did that film. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I just finished doing the litter. So I'm, I'm thinking about doing one this year, but I'm not sure. It kind of depends on a lot of things, uh, coronavirus two, stuff included. Two questions. Um, do you start training those pups when they're born? Um, so you kind of work into that a little bit. So they're somewhat ready to go if someone wants them for working dogs when you sell them. And um, I had to, actually, that was the third question, two questions. Um, do you have a market for those dogs before you do a litter? Um, are you kind of picky about who, who gets the dogs? And do you kind of hold back on that because so there aren't so many of them around? Because a lot of people just breed, you know, and sell dogs. And, and I think the market can become overwhelmed. For sure. Um, I don't keep too much of a waiting list because stuff happens. So, um, I originally tried to breed Bindi, um, December of 2019 and she didn't take. So if I had had a waiting list of six, 10 people, then the, they're, they're out of luck. Um, so once I, but I do still have people that say, Hey, next time you have a litter, you know, put me on your list. So those are the first people I notify. Um, and, and yes, I'm very picky about who I send my dogs with. Um, and they all, I, I sell my pups on a contract so that if something should happen and their new owner can't take care of them, then the dog comes back to me for, to, you know, to either live here or to, to go to a new home placement. Oh, I love you for that. <laughs> I do. I love you for that because mm -hmm. like you say there, you, you do get people that do just either they get over their heads or they're just in it for the money. Um, and when I'm doing a breeding, it's because I want to do something with my breeding program, whether whether I keep a pup out of that litter or uh, this last litter, I, I co-own one of the pups with somebody uh, with the hopes of bringing them back into my, my breeding program a little later on. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So um, like when Bindi had her litter, did you use one of your dogs as um, for breeding or do you go outside your... Your, with your her, um, I was able to make a really great connection with a dog in New Hampshire named Iggy, and Iggy was the 2019 uh, number one dog in cattle for ASCA, Australian Shepherd Club of America, Stock Dogs. Wow, um, cool. Top 10 for sheep and ducks as well. So a really successful herding career with this dog, um, and he has offspring that herd. And, and a really nice pedigree as well. So I was really lucky to make that connection. Uh, and a really great group of puppies came out of that litter. So I'm Ooh, those were like superstar puppies. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? They're like the elite. What um, have you, um, do you train for other people? Um, not very much. Um, I do work with our County 4-H program with the dog. Um, so we work on obedience and rally and showmanship and agility with those guys. So I do that. Um, my COVID project last year was actually putting up a fenced in training ring with permanent fencing. So now that that's done, um, I might start offering some adult classes, but I think I'll just keep it with um, basic manners and maybe some agility foundation kind of stuff. You should offer online. So many people are offering online now. I would, I, I would sign up. I'd pay I would to take too. Um, let's see. I will be the first one knows how to work dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, um, you should do that when it comes for training for me. believe me, I've searched YouTube, I've searched the internet and I've never found 
they all say something different and I understand training sometimes with personal style you have a personal style to it but like she knows the basics and everything I just want to take it to the next level um so I take online dog training classes um because I and my mother probably instilled this in me growing up that if you're going to teach something you need to keep yourself up to date and educated about it Mm -hmm. um so I actually go through Fenzi Dog Sport Academy F-E-N-Z-I and they have a lot of uh, different kinds of classes, anything from nose work and scent work, obedience. Um, they actually do run a herding class every now and then, which is interesting to do that online. Uh, <laughs> agility, just anything you could think of. They they pretty much offer something on it. Sweet. How and not to poop in the house? I, I gotta ask, how do you make dogs, seriously, how do you make a dog not poop in your house? Uh, I use a lot of crate training when they're young. So if I'm not able to watch them, they need to be in the crate. Um, Bells on the door. I found that works really good. So I teach the dog to ring the bells away from the door. And that's just kind of a fun training game. And then I put the bells on the door. And then every time we go outside, I have the dog ring the bells and then the door opens, we go outside. Uh, When they when they do go outside, if you're working on pottying, keep the dog on the leash mm-hmm. so that they learn to potty on leash and they get to business quicker than if you let them off without being on leash. So if you let them out, they're just going to roam around, sniff, play, chase the yeah. damn whatever. Hello, my dogs. If they're on leash, they have less, fewer options as to what they can do. So they're more likely to go potty sooner. Now, if, if you go out for a potty break and the dog doesn't go, you come back inside and the dog goes in the crate and it's not, you're not shoving him in the crate like the bad dog. You're just, you know, the dog's got to go. So put them in the crate so they don't have the chance to go when your back is turned. <gasps> so how often should I be taking her out? Uh, your best bet is to keep a track, keep a, a schedule of what she's doing already and see okay. that, that at 10 months old, they should be able to go three, four hours without having to go out. But if they're in the habit of going in the house, uh, you kind of got to know yeah. what, when they're thinking about going. When I can't I, was... believe I just admitted to the world that my dog craps in the house. Hello, I... my name's Jennifer. My the dog potty training for me was, I thought honestly it was going to be a lot harder than it was, but we had a very strict schedule for eating and then going to the bathroom. So about 30 minutes after she would eat, we would go outside and we just kept that very strict schedule. And I think like Sonia said, the the kennel training was huge. I mean, that's my dog's safe haven. She loves going to her kennel and so, she never went the bathroom in there. So Harriet is um, about four and a half months old and she sleeps in a kennel all night and she never ever goes in her kennel. Now I've only had her for two weeks so um at at what at what age should she be potty trained completely not crapping in my house basically (laughs) yeah that's gonna really depend on the dog and how how good you are with with managing her schedule (laughs) i suck (laughs) and and every dog's a little bit different i know there was one pup in this last litter where she had a a really challenging time with getting him to go outside And, and i don't know all the details um, we just text a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but Reese, Reese had an issue with peeing by the door <laughs> and, and, um, with four dogs, 
I train them to sit when my hand goes on the door. So when I open the door, I don't have four dogs taking my knees out to get outside. So my hand goes on the door and that's a cue for the dogs to sit. The door opens and then they wait for me to say, okay, or say their name to let them outside. And so I would be in the living room watching TV or something. She would go in the living, in the kitchen and pee by the door. And I'd be like, ah, crap. You know, my, my fault. I wasn't watching the dog carefully enough. And one day I just happened to see her go in the kitchen and sit by the door. And then she turned around and peed. Oh, I'm stupid. She was going in and sitting by the door because that's how the door opened. That's how the door opened. And so that's when I brought out the bells and I said, okay, we're going to learn to touch the bells first and then pop into the sit and then go out the door. I almost did the bell training and then eventually she got it. So I was like, "Mm, I'm not going to worry about it now, but I've heard a lot of people have had success. A friend of mine did it with their golden doodle and worked very well. My gosh, I could just sit here all day, Sonia, and you have us tell us how to train our dogs. I I have, we also have a a beagle and he is two and a half and he's sitting in here. So I'm going to have to be careful, but I swear to God, every night at nine o'clock, if you say the word poopportunity, he goes to the door. (laughs) It's the funniest thing. He can be sound asleep and he knows about nine o'clock. And if you say, okay, it's poopportunity time, he goes to the door to go out. Now I just need her to do that as well. (laughs) Patience and consistency. This was my first puppy, my Australian Shepherd. I've never had a puppy. We've always rescued. So what a experience, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world. And I'm so glad, Sonia, that you've come on and shared your story. Um, again, when I saw it, it just gave me goosebumps and congratulations. And to Bindi as well for um, winning Farm Dog of the Year. And what a cool story. So thank you. And, and for you for training him again, my yes. hands are going to go crazy. And, and I mean, that's, there's a lot of working dogs out there. There was a, a thread on ag talk um, the other day about working dogs and farm dogs and, and hats off to people who can train those dogs to do that. And to you and Bindi and the dogs that can do it because that's awesome. It just makes me so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bring Harriet out for you to train her. <laughs> well, it sounds like we're coming cow. to New York, Sonia. So maybe we'll visit the farm and get to, we'll have a dog play party. There you go. I'm going to bring my snowmobiles and my, and my dog and you can train and I'll ride and uh, we'll drink cocktails and eat steak. Sounds good. good. And so your dairy farm as well, right? Right. And so can we talk about how the dairy industry is doing right now? Just for a minute. Are you, are you guys back up to 100% production? (laughs) You said they cut you off last year. Yeah, we're, um, we ship to DFA, Dairy Farmers of America, and that, that basis is still in place, that 85%. Um, if we go over that, uh, it's kind of a crapshoot on what you're going to get for that that milk that's above that 85%. So I know um, in December, we were over that quite a bit, and we took a hit for that. Um, January, we're, we're probably going to be right at that 85%. Um, in March, I've got way too many cows do so i'm not sure what i'm gonna do that, but i i kind of think that basis is here to stay is that right wow um that's interesting hmm do you think that that was covid induced then oh yeah 
and you don't think that will change because uh the market there's just so much milk out there um or people are drinking less milk because of covid no i think it's going to be um a supply management tool uh-huh interesting it's crazy how the domino effect just keeps going i have said that from the beginning we're going to be feeling these effects for a long time so when you were producing, they cut you back to this 85% when you were producing at 100% and went over that, there wasn't a restriction on what you got? Yeah, you, just, you got what you got. Um, my dad could explain this so much better, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, in um, December, I know there was a lot more milk out there than what they could find a home for. So, you know, if you went over that 85%, it kind of dinged you. It, we still got something. It just wasn't enough to cover the costs of producing that. Right. Huh. Well, give Bindi a hug for me, please. Actually, give all the puppies. I was going to say, give all the dogs the hugs for us. And, and I yeah. love that your first one was a rescue. I think that's mm -hmm. amazing. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you, Sonia, for coming on and sharing your story with us. I've This has been such a fun conversation. I'm pretty sure we could go all morning. Yeah, talked <laughs> for quite a while. Yeah. Well, thank you. and Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for all having me. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next time for another episode of Girls Talk Ag. And if you can't wait until then, connect with us on Twitter.